This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. Yeah. Suffering for a short while for eternal glory. In uh, 1 Peter, we're going to start reading in uh, verse 12. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with God, what would be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Can somebody say amen? So the big idea here is Christians are called to sanctify Christ as Lord in their hearts as they live and act as Jesus desires during their short time here on earth. I know when you're young, you don't think it's a short time. But when you get older and you look back, you realize how short it really is. Uh, Peter wanted Christians in his time to be encouraged and not be ambushed or blindsided by the fiery trials that are headed your way. He talks about suffering and trials, but, but he's talking about fiery trials. He stepped it up a little bit there. Uh, testing or refining or purifying or sanctifying is all for God's purposes. And God has one purpose for your life. He's got one purpose, and everything that happens, everything that goes on, everything you endure is for one purpose, and one purpose only, and that is to conform you to the image of Christ. That's what he's doing. And so Peter knew all about trials. Let's see, um, he, he, he was willing to get out of the boat, and he sank. <laughs> uh, he was in prison two times. He denied Christ three times, cut off Malchus' ear in the garden. It was called, Jesus said, get behind these Satan." I mean, Peter, no, he knew trials. He knew suffering. And all of that brought him to be a mighty man of God who wrote this beautiful book for us. He was known for speaking and acting first and thinking later. That's me sometimes. <laughs> However, he grew to be a mighty rock. So... What God did in Peter is the same thing he desires to do in you. The more you go through, the greater God can use you. When I look through the text, when I see God using man, I always see God breaking that man first. <laughs> you got to go through something. There's no crown without a conflict. Peter wants you to persevere in your faith, pacing on a smile and hiding your head in the sand Every day is simply not recommended. Instead, be purposely biblical. Put
push through the trials. In everything, give thanks. Push through the troubles, knowing that all things are working out for your good. Push through the suffering. He promises he will uphold you with his right hand, his righteous right hand. And he also says that no one, no one can snatch you from his hand. Chuck Swindoll says, in these difficult moments of our lives, confusion reigns while contentment wanes. Questions arise while prayers subsides. Behind every test or trial or trouble or hardship, we face lies. What what we face lies, it, it becomes a spiritual root in our life. And every spiritual root holds us together. For every test that is to come afterwards, that we might be more like Jesus. Amen? You know, they say Chinese bamboo, you, you water it for five years. Can you imagine watering a spot in the ground for five years before anything grows? How many times you would get discouraged? How stupid would you look to your neighbors? What is wrong with him? <laughs> Especially in the desert when water is scarce, it seems. Uh, but the thing with Chinese bamboo is, is you water it for five years, and in two weeks it grows 80 feet. So what's happening in those five years? The same thing that's happening in you. God is doing things in you behind the scenes and under the ground that nobody can see. So, so the, the bamboo is laying a root system to support what God's going to do. Amen? God's doing something in your life, and the trials that you're enduring is designed to strengthen, to encourage, to build character, to build faith and patience in you so that you look more like Christ when the trouble comes. People are always watching. When they see you go through stuff, they're not really looking so much at what you're going through. They're looking at your response to what you're going through. You say you're a Christian. Do you believe what you say? Hmm. And in present sufferings, if present sufferings are, in the sense, God's judgment on his people for a good purpose, how great were the sufferings of unbelievers when God acts in judgment upon them? In 1 Peter 2.20, we read uh, in the Christian Standard Bible, it says, For what credit is there when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it. But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor to God. There's a good thing for enduring suffering and trials when you're a Christian. Amen? The whole context is suffering, prosecution, uh, persecution, <laughs> prosecution. <laughs> you may feel that way sometimes because you're a child of God. And if you suffer persecution because you're a child of God, then just commit your life to God. He is a faithful creator. He is. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, he who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. What he's saying to me is, if God has begun a work in my life, he's already finished it. God doesn't start anything that he doesn't finish. So I think, well, did God make the tree or did he make the forest first? He made the forest first, then he made the tree and put the seed in the tree. Did God make man first or did he make all mankind first? He made all mankind, put mankind in the seed and put him in Adam. <laughs> he did the end before he began. He doesn't live in the economy of time like we do. When he starts something, it is finished. It's finished. And you can be confident in that. 
That's what we stand on. If you are not a child of God because you never allowed Christ to be your Lord and Savior, Jesus wants you. I was hoping to have one of the screen, but I waited too late to put a picture of Uncle Sam saying, the army wants you. You know, you remember that picture? Uh, Jesus wants you. <laughs> he wants you. If you don't know the, 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 the creator, if you don't know the savior, if you don't have a relationship with, with, relationship with Jesus, I'm here to tell you that Jesus wants you. That's why he died on the cross. When his blood came down his side, and down his leg, and down the cross, it spread across the whole world. He died for all of us. But you've just got to make a decision to say, I want Jesus too, amen? So Peter asks a couple rhetorical questions here. In verse 17, he says, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what would be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God? He doesn't supply the answer. He expects you to come up with the answer, amen? So 1 Thessalonians, um, those who do not obey the gospel, unfortunately, will suffer eternal destruction. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, In flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. And then 9a says, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. That is terrible news, amen? But that is your family members, your coworkers, your friends. That might be you, but it doesn't have to be, amen? Just like Uncle Sam says, I want you, Jesus is saying, I want you to be with me in glory. No one has to suffer eternal destruction if they would just receive Jesus Christ. You don't have to get on your hands and knees and, and crawl across America t- to receive salvation. You don't have to do some crazy feat. Jesus already done it. He already paid the price. His righteousness has been imputed to those who receive him. We have no righteousness of our own. Paul said our righteousness is as filthy rags. But Jesus' righteousness, he has taken our sin and given us his righteousness. Wow. <laughs> I've been given some gifts, some pretty elaborate gifts, but none like that. So what will you do with this gift you've given? Just sit on it and save it for yourself and let your family and neighbors and friends and coworkers and people you meet go without hearing the gospel that Jesus provides hope, eternal salvation. Without God, there'll be no peace, there'll be no light, and there'll be no love. Because God is peace, God is light, and God is love. That's hell all by itself, amen? (laughs) To live in this world and not know God and not have the peace of God, not have the light of God, not have the love of God is hell. (laughs) And then die and go to hell, that's too much hell for any of us. But we know people that are heading there. And sometimes we're sitting back. And I know that it was once said that preach the word always and if necessary, use your words. But faith come by hearing and hearing 
by the word of God. We have got to open our mouths. We've got to let the word of God out. Everybody's coming out the closet. It's time for Christians to come out the closet. We need to be awake. This is not the time to be sleeping in the kingdom. Amen? The commands of the gospel are faith, repentance, and baptism. When the Jews of Jerusalem heard Peter's gospel message, they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? He told them to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 2.38. There's a lady, she was being robbed. Somebody entered her house and, at, at night and was robbing her. And she heard him and she came out. And she, and she said, Acts 2.38. And they ran out. And she had called 911 and police caught them in the yard. And they says, well, why did you guys run? She said she had an ax in 238s. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> the power of the word, amen? <laughs> the word is powerful. Um, and if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will be the outcome of the ungodly and the sinner? We do obey, and sometimes it can make us feel like we are scarcely saved. If so, what is the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel? What will be the outcome for family members and for friends and for others? Peter quotes from Proverbs 11.30, where it says, eleven thirty one, if the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? They don't escape. There's people we love that's going to fall in that category. That ought to make your heart sick if you've done nothing. Amen. But if you're sharing the gospel and you're modeling and you're going through your stuff with joy and, and giving God the glory the way the Bible says, then you've done what you're supposed to do. Now, one thing I acknowledge is sometimes you can, you can share the gospel, you can model the gospel, and some people just don't want it. And what, what I've learned to do is realize that what I want for you may not be what you want for yourself, and I accept it. And I let you be, because once I share the word, the Holy Spirit takes over at that point. It's no longer my responsibility. Are your hands clean? Have you shared the gospel? Have you ministered to your neighbors and your coworkers and your family members? Even if they don't want to hear it, you have the word of life. I remember as a kid, my mother used to line all of us up, all eight of us, with a big old gallon jug of castor oil. <sighs> And she would get the biggest spoon she can find, and she would just dump that in our mouth. And, and man, I hated that stuff. But she felt this was good for us. This was going to clean us out and get us ready for the winter. Amen. In Cleveland, winter was severe. Amen. It was, it's not like winter here. Amen. <laughs> yeah, here you go to the park, and you can't even find a parking spot. In Cleveland, you go to the park, and all you're going to see is snow. Actually, I learned to drive in a parking lot, Kmart parking lot, in the snow. at 16 years old. I learned how to do donuts. I learned how to slide and, and maneuver. And, and I learned how to turn corners and slide. I mean, I, I learned how to do it in the snow, first time. We can't let people we know not hear the gospel. Is there someone you know that you know is not a believer and you haven't shared the gospel with them. 
We need to give them the gospel. We want them to be saved too. Jesus says, I want you. And he wants to send you and me to them to share the good news. He knows the power of the good news. Amen. We, sometimes we don't understand how powerful the word of God is. If we did, we would be using it more for God's glory. We're going to play that video right now. But before we play it, it's a visual of fiery trials. They're designed to improve your faith, encourage others, and above all, to conform you to the image of Christ. Now, in this video, there's going to be the Holy Spirit represented. Paraclete, he's the one that comes alongside. He's going to be like the GPS, speaking to you and directing you and guiding you. And you notice that he won't stop until you reach a destination. There's going to be you in the video. See if you can identify yourself in the video. There's going to be the fiery trial in the video. There's going to be an opportunity to operate in blind faith. There's going to be witnesses. There's always witnesses. Amen. We live in a world where there's always somebody watching. Amen. And then there's going to be the end zone. And for me, the end zone may be different than it is for you. There's an ultimate end zone that we all experience. But the end zone can be what you define it to be, amen? So see if you can point out these characters and, and the roles in this video. It's an old classic. Many of you may have seen it. But it's, it's like good news. It's timeless. It's still effective, amen? Play the video, please. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> what, you only go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. Get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. Good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Not the 20 yet. Get the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Just rest a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving, keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it, you keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving. Your very best, your very best, your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it, that's it, that's it. Keep going, don't quit on me, keep going. Keep driving, keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it, your very best. Don't quit on me, your very best. Keep driving, keep driving. There you go, there you go. Keep driving, keep your knees off the ground. 
Keep driving. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on, keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. It's heavy. I know it's heavy. It's heavy. Then you negotiate with somebody to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going. You hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. Who's next? <laughs> so we not only live in a strange land. Peter says, don't think it's strange when you go through fiery trials. You saw the witnesses. You see what happens. We can do more than what we think we can. The Holy Spirit is always walking beside us, encouraging us and directing us a little more to the left, a little more to the right. Stand up straight. Put a smile on your face. Wash your face. There's things that God is calling us to do that we don't think we can do. But we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And trials is like having a 160-pound man on our back. And we want to quit and we want to give up. We want to stop. Lord, I've been in the storm too long. <laughs> it's like gold. When a refiner's refining gold, one day the king sent a special batch of 
gold ore to him to refine for a special purpose. It's not just any gold. This is a request from the king, amen? And he puts the gold in the fire, and he pulls it out. He looks at it, he puts it back in. He comes back, he pulls it out, and the gold starts talking to him. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute, man, it's hot in here. <laughs> He says, I know, and he put it back in. He says, but well, well, when am I going to be ready? I think I'm ready now. <laughs> he pulls him out. He says, you're not ready. Put it back in there. He pulls him out. He says, man, what if you drop me? He says, man, this is the king's gold. No way I'm dropping you, amen? <laughs> you're way too valuable for me to be fooling around. Plus, this is what I do, amen? amen, amen. And he goes back in there, and he pulls him out again. He says, man, it is time now. I am hot. It's over. I'm ready. And he says, no, you're not. He puts him back in. And he asks the gold, asks him a question. The same question we should be asking. God, when am I ready? Why do I got to keep going through this? See, trials and tests, if you don't pass the test, you get the retest. <laughs> the retest is no joke, amen. The multiple choice, you, you know, with multiple choice, this too, this is obviously not the answer. And then you got two that you kind of waffle between. But the truth is, if you read the question and read the question and read the question, the answer is in the question. And you can pretty much figure out multiple choice. But if you don't pass the test to get the essay, you got to know your stuff. Amen. <laughs> For those of us that's been in school, we know that essay was not the best way to test. Amen. I like, give me the multiple choice. <laughs> best to just get it right on the first time. So the refiner pulls the gold out. And he says, I know you're ready when I can see my reflection in you. Did you guys identify the, the, the actors in, this, in the video, who the Holy Spirit was, who you were, who the trial was? The witnesses was a giveaway. How about the end zone? What's the end zone for you? It's just to get through this trial so I can get back to my own business? <laughs> What's the end zone for you? Just to live my life comfortably and go to, hell, go to heaven? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> that was a slip, sorry. <laughs> but that might be your goal. I don't know. There's some people who've actually said that. What's your end zone? My end zone is to get through this trial so I can come up for air and get ready for the next one. See, if you're not in a storm, if you're not in a trial, you'll probably just come out of one. And if you didn't, and if, and if, and if you didn't just come out of one and you're not in one, you're probably heading into one. And Peter wants to warn you that don't think it's strange when it happens. In Psalm 73, the psalmist is whining about all he's doing right, and, and the wicked is prospering. They're having big parties. Man, everything's going well for them. Here I'm serving you, God, and it seems like nothing's going right for me. I'm in a storm all the time. And then he began to reflect that there's an end to all of this partying and doing your own thing. And there's an end to serving God in the midst of suffering. Your suffering is just for a short while. When the party's over and the lights are out, somebody's got to clean up. 
we have a responsibility. And the Holy Spirit, like a GPS, you notice the coach didn't stop instructing him. He didn't stop encouraging him. He didn't let him go and just yell from him, to him from a distance. He was right there with him all the way, every step of the way. God says, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. You will never be alone. He's in the trial with you. He was in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when Peter stepped out of the boat, he was the only one that stepped out. God was with him. And when you went through your trials, you might have thought you went through them by yourself, but God was with you. I've been through some stuff that I never would have survived if God wasn't with me. And you've seen the poster of the footprints in the sand. When I look back, there was never two sets of feet print. It was always God carrying me. <laughs> Even when I thought I was doing something, he had me. And he's got you. The question is, do you have him? In closing, I have two questions and six things you can do to survive fiery trials. Actually, I'm going to give you one question because it's kind of redundant. Ask God, what are you trying to say to me during this trial? When you're in a hard time, asking God what is not the question. No, not asking God why is not the question. What is the question? Not why am I going through this. He's already explained why you're going through it because he's working something in you so he can work something out of you. What is it that you want me to learn? What do you want me to do as a result of this? What's the purpose of watering this spot for five years? When they build a building, the first thing they do is they dig a hole. The higher they intend to go, the deeper they dig. The Space Needle, and I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head anymore, but when they built that, they dug a deep hole. And it's more underneath the ground than you see above the ground. And when we had that earthquake in two, 20, uh, 2006, a friend of mine worked up there. It was like 2,500 stairs. But they say that was one of the safest places to be in an earthquake <laughs> because it is grounded. Every trial we go through is a spiritual root that grounds us. And the more you go through, the stronger you become. God, he allows those trials to build character. And then James says, count it all joy. Count it all joy? Man, who does that? Strangers in a foreign land. And when people watch you, they don't understand how you're doing what you do. And when they ask you, it is a wide open door. It's only because of the strength of Jesus Christ. That's my wife's favorite answer. <laughs> when we talk to people and they hear some of the trials that we've had to walk through. She don't have anything uh, fancy. She just say it's only because Jesus Christ. Is that your response? Just shake your head and say, yes. <laughs> Amen.
because it's true. Six things you can do. Rely on Christ. You can't rely on your own strength. You can't rely on your own understanding. Rely on others. There's people in this room that have the Holy Spirit in them. (laughs) And God uses others to speak to us sometimes. (laughs) Now, he uses trials. He uses storms. Amen. He speaks in the storm. He uses others. Sometimes we disregard what other people say, and then we walk away, and the Holy Spirit brings that thing back to us. David, one day, did something he wasn't supposed to do. And it was kind of a secret until the prophet Nathan showed up on the scene. He wasn't even around, but, but he showed up and he said, David, there's a man in your kingdom that has a huge flock of all types of animals and some visitors came through. And instead of killing one from his multitude, he took one of his servants, lamb, that was like a pet. It was like, you know, a family member and served it to them. And David says he was, he was furious. And what did the prophet say? <laughs> that man is you. <laughs> God will use others to speak to you. And it might not always be confronting you on something. It might be to encourage you in something. Sometimes you hear a person's life story or walk and it, and it encourages somebody else that, man, if God can do that in them, guess what he could do in me? There's hope for me too. Revelation says they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by what? The word of their testimony. We have to be sharing what God has done in and through us that we give others hope. You can't be sitting on your testimony. <laughs> it has a purpose. Embrace the trial. It's making you more like Jesus. <laughs> we don't like suffering and we don't want to suffer. We want to reign with Christ, but we don't want to suffer with Christ. <laughs> Suffering and trials, we don't like them. We avoid them. Uh, storms, pilots are called to, to, to go around them. Sometimes they delay flights. Uh, we find ways around trials. We find our way around troubles. We, we're always looking for the easy way out. But trouble and trials is like male address occupant. Doesn't matter who lived there, it's for you. <laughs> Jesus says trouble you'll always have. You will always have. It rains on the just and the unjust. You run away from one, you're going to run into another one. Embrace it. It's it's making you more like Jesus. And people are watching. And when they see you walk through a trial, giving God glory and praising him, sometimes family members ridicule you because they don't understand how God will let you suffer like that. What kind of God is that? Sometimes people don't want anything to do with you because you trust too much in Jesus. Live with integrity. Be purposely biblical. Count it all joy. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its work that you might be complete 
and perfect, lacking nothing. Wow. Be patient in the trial. That's the hard one right there because we want to hurry and get it over. Amen. Lord, what do I need to do to let this end? No, like the gold, you need to sit still in your trial and, and be patient and let God do what he's going to do. It's like going to a surgeon when you have cancer. And the, and the surgeon's in there working on you and he's about to pull it out and you decide, no, nope, this is too much, doc. Just sew me up. Man, I'm going to lay there and let him get all of it, Amen. I don't care how long it is, Doc. Get it all. Amen. <laughs> don't just get half of it and wake me up because I got things to do. I, I got an appointment, Doc. You got 30 minutes. Get what you can and sew me up. No, we want him to get it all. When we're in a trial, be patient. Let God do what he's going to do. And then, last but not least, keep an eternal or kingdom perspective. Nobody wants to suffer. Trials have a purpose in your life. As believers, it's not about you. You've been bought with a price. You've been paid for in full. When you go to the grocery store and buy groceries and get home and something that you pay for is not in there, you're not happy with that, especially with today's prices, amen? <laughs> You go to the gas station and you fill it up and you get home, you pay for a full tank, but it's half a tank. With these gas prices, you're going to circle right back. We're going to circle back, amen? <laughs> That's a Jin Saki reference, sorry. Um, <laughs> we're going to circle back because we want what we pay for. Christ paid for you. <laughs> and he could have paid for you at a lesser cost, but he couldn't have paid a higher cost. You belong to him. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the text is clear that there's an outcome for you. We as believers, we don't want anybody we know to experience that outcome. So we suffer and we walk through suffering the way the Bible says so that you see our example that you can trust us. It's hard to trust somebody's message when you haven't seen their wounds. When you see their wounds, you, you, they're more trustworthy, amen? <laughs> yeah. You can't tell me you know what it's like to lose a limb when you got all of yours sitting there, amen? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm rubbing where a leg used to be. I'm having problems because my leg's gone, and, and I, I, I think it's there sometimes, and I'm rubbing to see if it's there. You don't know how I feel when you have your legs, amen? <laughs> we have a responsibility. And I'm saying if you don't know Christ, the day is a good day to give your life to Jesus Christ. Nobody in here wants to see anybody we know go to that place and experience a place where there'll be no light. There'll be pain forever. There'll be no love. There'll be no peace, no joy. And after you spend 10 million gazillion years in this place of torment, it would be like one second here on earth. It would be just beginning. Who wants anybody they know to experience that? If you don't know Christ, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. 
That's, that's what his whole death was about, to reconcile you back to God, to repair what was broken. If you don't know Jesus, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. If you've never, ever confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, and if you died today and came face to face to God, and he says, why should I allow you into heaven? And you don't know what to say. You have no idea what to say. And you start giving him a laundry list of all the good things you've done as if there's a, a scale of good and bad in this deal, which it is not. Because it only takes one thing that violates God's law to allow you entrance into a place of judgment. So what I'm saying is, if you've never done that and God's pricked your heart and you want to do that, just raise your hand. We'll pray with you. And the Bible says when you pray and ask Jesus to come in your heart, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you. The Bible says he seals you for the day of redemption. He puts a deposit in you that he's coming back for, and you will be one of those who will know God, who will know peace, who will know love, who will know light, and who will have eternal life. If you're at home and you're watching, you don't really need anyone else except for your mouth and your heart. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again. The Bible says, with guarantee, you will be saved. All you have to say is, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. I believe that you paid the price on the cross for my sins. And I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And if you've done that, email the church. Call the church. Come to the church. And find out what that decision is about so that you can move to the next step and learn about this new walk in Jesus Christ. It is the most amazing thing that ever happened on this planet called Earth. I thank you and I praise you. Lord, we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. If you love the Lord, say amen. Have Tyler come up. Thanks, Grady. Can we thank Grady for serving us by bringing the word? So every Sunday we take communion. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.